Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Are you on Donate? What? Charles Darwin. All right, today on the eve of the NBA playoffs, we bring you all a special Sunday night NBA playoff preview edition of Nerd Sesh. We're going to be running through down each of the first round series and then going forward with how we predict the entire playoffs will go down. So, Logan, let's start in the Western Conference, Lakers versus Blazers. What's your prediction? Now, I think that the Blazers can give the Lakers a run, but I don't think it's going to be a contest in the end. Uh, I'm going to take the Lakers in six. I just don't think that you can defend the duo of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I don't think the Blazers have wing assets to stop them. Yeah, the Blazers hype has really escalated to a point where it's a bit out of control now. I do think we should remember that this is a team that still finished four games below 500. I saw an article that was published today by Brian Windhorst about how the Lakers one seed isn't the advantage it would typically be. And then someone retweeted that saying, well, this is actually the first time that there's been a um, Western Conference team in the playoffs below 500 in like 20 years. So I do think we need to keep in perspective. Yes, this is a surging Blazers team that is obviously um, in a different version when they have Yusuf Nurkic out there because to me, he's their second best player. I'm going to take the Lakers in five here though. And I think it's a competitive five games because there is such incredible offensive firepower with the Blazers. They had the top offense in the bubble, obviously, the Dame CJ tandem as far as backcourt scoring is absolutely top notch. And then you throw in a couple of really high level floor spacers and Gary Trent Jr. And what Carmelo Anthony has become shooting the lights out of the ball lately, a brilliant offensive cog down in the post and Yusuf Nurkic. But on the flip side, the Blazers cannot stop anyone. They had the 27th rated defense this season. And that is not an issue that got better in the bubble. They were actually considerably worse once, you've, once Yusuf mm-hmm. Nurkic had returned to lineup with a defensive rating of over 120, which would just be historically terrible if they did that for an extended period of time. So I completely believe in their ability to score at a high level. My issue is they're not going to be able to stop the Lakers. And, you know, as far as the Lakers guarding Dame and CJ goes, yes, that's incredibly difficult. Not having Avery Bradley hurts them there just because he's such a high-level defensive guard who's equipped to handle a guy like Dame as well as you possibly can. But, you know, this was still a top three defense in basketball from the Lakers. I think that you can throw a guy like Alex Caruso in there. He will give high effort, and he can step it up there. And then it just comes down to the Lakers not completely beating themselves by having terrible shooting performances because Mm -hmm. they do need to shoot better. They shot 30% from three in the bubble. They made the second least threes in the bubble. And that has been an issue that has plagued them all year long just because their team's not constructed to shoot all that well. They have a lot of guys whose preference is not to stand on the three-point line and chuck them up from there. Most notably, their two best players, who they also play alongside traditional rim-running centers like Dwight Howard and JaVale Mm -hmm. McGee. Um, But as long as they don't just have an atrocious performance from there, they're just a better team. And I don't know how you feel. I know that you um, were expecting the Blazers to make the playoffs. Do you feel like the hype's gotten out of control with them a bit? Uh, Yeah, I mean, big time. I think people have gotten swept away because the Lakers, you know, gave up in the bubble. They stopped trying, and Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard cranked it up to MVP level. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't get me wrong. The Blazers are a tremendous offensive team. The problem in the bubble was not them putting up points. It was Mm -hmm. them playing defense. Memphis put up 135 on them. Uh, Boston put up 128 on them. I mean, they did not have their best defensive performance came against Houston, which that's kind of impressive holding them to 102 points. But again, you've got games against Philly, 121 Dallas, 131 points and Brooklyn, 133 points. The Blazers are a bad defensive team. And despite the Lakers deficiencies from the perimeter, I don't think it's going to be a contest because like I said, who's going to stop AD and LeBron? Are you going to throw white side out there? No, I mean, they are a genuinely unstoppable tandem and that is why I think that you know repeatedly throughout this season I've expressed faith in them because that issue goes beyond the Blazers but I do think the point worth making is even when you look at the Blazers last year when they had their most successful campaign ever making it to the Western Conference Finals that was a below average defense then you take the two best defensive players off that team in Mo Harkless and Al Farouk then you take 
one of the better perimeter defenders on their team this year in Trevor Reza out of the lineup. And Gary mm-hmm. Trent has probably replaced him there. I really like what Gary Trent does defensively, but you just don't get high-level effort from Dame on that end for an entire game. He couldn't give it to you. He would collapse on the floor when he's giving you 40 on the other end. CJ's incapable there. Mello obviously has been a defensive liability his entire career. And the individual defenders just start to pile up, and it's hard to put together a strong defensive performance with that unit. So I think that as exciting as they are, you know, Dame might go out there and get 51 game. I'm not going to discount that, but I just don't see them stringing together multiple wins. So You can go back in the nerd sesh logs, and you can hear us in the, pre- in the preview for the season for the Blazers that them losing Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu was mm-hmm. going to cause them issues in this exact spot. Mm-hmm. And you have the trade-off because now you have two really reliable spot-up shooters in Mello and Gary Trent, which is certainly valuable on the offensive end. But at the same time, when, when you lose a guy like Al Farouk Aminu and you replace him with a guy like Carmelo Anthony, there's a trade-off there on the defensive end. So let's move on to the second series out West. The winner of this series will be facing we both, who we both presume will be the Lakers. We have the fourth-seeded Rockets versus, versus the fifth-seeded Thunder. Logan, what's your prediction for this series? Uh, this series was easily the toughest for me to decide just because of James Harden and Russell Westbrook's uh, history of playoff ineptitude and, mm-hmm. and uh, disappearing. I am going to take (laughs) the team that I predicted to be one of the worst in the NBA this season. I'm taking the Thunder (laughs) in seven. Okay. So we agree that this is the most competitive first round series. I'm going to take the Rockets in seven. And basically the reason for that is it's really difficult for me to see a Harden-led squad going down first round. And on the flip side of that, I do think that the Thunder – were a bit of a regular season overperformer. And there's a few factors that come together that help me come to that conclusion. First off, they were exceptionally healthy. None of their top five guys missed more than 10 games. Shea Gilgis Alexander and Chris Paul, their two best players, both only missed one game in the entire season before the bubble. That's a stroke of luck that most uh, NBA contenders are not lucky to have. They have the seventh best point differential in the West, which just shows you they were eking out a few more close games than other teams. And They just felt like they were highly motivated to win every game. They really wanted to prove people wrong, people like you, Logan Camden, who predicted them to finish at the bottom of the West and say, (laughs) we belong here. We're a legitimate playoff team. And that's great. That winning attitude, that dog is valuable. And that is especially valuable for them on the defensive end. They were a really high-level defensive team this year. But the value of that does diminish a bit in the playoffs when every team is highly motivated. And I look at a team like the Rockets, who – probably coasted a bit more throughout the season and still ended up with the same record. And I just think you see a bit more talent on that end. Now, obviously the major concern for the Rockets here is the health of Russell Westbrook, who is expected to miss the first couple games with a quad strain. How did that factor into your prediction for this series? Um, That didn't really factor in at all. I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think that defensively that it's going to come down to the thunder if they can stay as stout defensively as they were during the regular season. Mm-hmm. And I think they have the assets to stop Harden and Westbrook. And the reason why is Chris Paul, smart guard, Lou Dort, a tremendous rookie defender. Mm-hmm. Andre Roberson is back. I, I don't know. I have a, it's so foolish in my opinion, just off, off the top of my head to pick, to go against the star tandem of Westbrook and Harden. But mm-hmm. I don't know, Carson. I just, I've seen them fail over and over again. And yeah. I've been bitten by that snake too many times. I'm not going to let it happen again. I believe in the Thunder's ability offensively because Chris Paul does not, Chris Paul leads us unit offensively. Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be the X factor in his performance, along with Dennis Schroeder. The guard play in with the Thunder matches up perfectly, in my opinion, with the Rockets. And if the Thunder can out rebound and slow down Harden and Chris Paul. I think that those are the keys to them winning the series. Obviously, if Harden and Westbrook get hot, it's not going to be a contest because the Thunder cannot keep up with them offensively. Mm-hmm. Carson, let me ask you, why do you think this is going to be such a competitive series? Because I do still have faith in the Thunder. I do think they're a really good team. They have high-level offensive punch from CP3 and Shea and Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder. That is undeniable. They have proven a lot this year, and they can do it on both ends. And then also, Westbrook being out, it's interesting because still, when you look at on-off splits, 
the Rockets have been a better team without Westbrook on the floor, even though he's put on this gargantuan statistical effort, averaging 30-plus a game in the 2020 calendar year. But no one can single-handedly carry an offense like James Harden, especially when you take away the one non-shooter that Westbrook is. I think deep down that this team is still not quite the same without Westbrook, um, which is part of the reason why I expect this to be such a close competitive series. And again, we don't know how many games he's going to miss. Maybe it's only two. Maybe they split those games. I think it would be close no matter what. I think it's close with him on or off the floor. I do think another interesting thing here is this is sort of a small small ball on small ball matchup here because obviously the... Thunder are not nearly as extreme as the Rockets. They play a very traditional center in Steven Adams, but they also love three guard lineups. If it's CP3, Shea, and Dennis Schroeder, if it's CP3, Lou Dort, and Shea, you know, they run those lineups very frequently. The majority of the time, in fact, in Gallinari is a stretch four who in the old NBA was a small forward. So that's an interesting dynamic here. I also think something to look out for is Eric Gordon, who has had a brutal season, Injury riddled, only played 36 games, just came back in the last couple of seeding games and has only shot 37% on the year, 32% from three, but he has been a vital part of some of the Rockets' past playoff runs. So if we get high-level production from him when he has basically been irrelevant this year, I think that that ultimately makes the Rockets a slightly better team. I just think they're more talented. And at the end of the day, James Harden is going to go out there and yes, he's you know, has the tendency to press and maybe tire out a bit late uh, in in the playoffs and he doesn't get all the same calls and his efficiency drops, but he's going to get 30 plus basically every night. And that is, you know, an incredibly valuable asset. And there are certain players who can just will their teams to wins. And I think when you're talking about a team like the Thunder, not a truly elite team like the Lakers or the Clippers or whatever, I do think James Harden is one of those players. So let's move on to a team I just mentioned. The second-seeded Clippers squaring off against the seven-seeded Mavs. Logan, what is your prediction for what I expect to be a very exciting series? Uh, Carson, I'm going to take the Clippers in six, and I want to put my faith into Luka. I would love to see – I mean, it's not like I have any stock in the Clippers. I'd love to see an upset from Luka and Kristaps. I just don't think – I don't think roster-wise they'd match up. The Clippers are one of the most talented teams on paper. They've been one of the most talented teams in the NBA this season, and – an underrated aspect of the Clippers is they have veteran presences where the Mavericks don't. Most of this Mavericks team does not have, you know, the stars at the top end of this do not have playoff experience. That's going to matter even in the bubble or not. Um, Now, like I said, I'm taking the Clippers in six because Luka Doncic is going to win these guys a game or two. Luka Doncic is stupid talented. And I know that we saw some, some close games that they dropped. Uh, they lost to the Clippers by 15 uh, on the sixth, but Luca himself is going to win this team one game at least. Uh, but overall, they just, they're not deep enough. They cannot compete in a seven game series with the Clippers. I am also going to take the Clippers in six. And I think that this is going to be an incredible series to watch. The Clippers did sweep the season series three, nothing, but I think that the Mavs are really going to compete here. And The reason for that is they have the greatest offense of all time. And it doesn't matter what you do on the other end of the floor. You're going to win a couple games when you have the greatest offense of all time. Now, there are a number of reasons that I couldn't pick them to pull the upset. You have a highly motivated Paul George on the other end, averaging 25.5 points per game in the bubble. That's scary if he keeps up that level of play. Obviously, Kawhi is the best player in this series, hands down. The Clippers have a bench star tandem that we have almost never seen throughout NBA history. And on the flip side, you talk about playoff experience. You know, Luka Doncic is a guy who has struggled to close games this season. He has a tendency to go away from what works for the first three quarters, which is driving, getting to the line, kicking out. And he tends to go to that step back three of his a lot, which is an incredibly difficult shot. And he's not James Harden. He doesn't hit it at the same clip. And I think that shows throughout the season, the Mavs are two and 11 in one possession games. That's ridiculous. That is an abysmal record there. But then on the flip side of that, the offense does come so effortlessly. They do have such great shooters around Luka, and he is going to create shots for everyone no matter what, and he is going to get his buckets as well no matter what. I feel like they can win a couple games without even having to really get down to those nitty-gritty clutch moments. Now, that is a factor in why I can't imagine them winning a series, but they're going to put up points. Christoph Porzingis, as frustrating as he is for me to watch just because of 
you know, how he has become so timid mm. and so willing to just settle for difficult off-balance turnarounds from 16 feet. If he has Wesley Matthews on him or whatever little guy they put on him, he's going to take a tough shot. But he did average 30-plus in the bubble, and he is shooting the lights out right now, and that's not to mention Seth Curry or Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, the addition of Trey Burke, who gave them some offensive burst. So all these guys for the Mavs are playing at a high level. It's just not enough to have them push Kawhi, Mm -hmm. Paul George, and that supporting cast to seven or even win the series. But I do think they will win a couple games because, uh, you know, their offense is unstoppable. It doesn't matter. Kawhi and Paul George cannot stop this train, in my opinion. So let's move on out to the last first-round series out west, which is the third-seeded Nuggets against the six-seeded Jazz, who were already without Bojan Bogdanovic, now will be missing Mike Conley for a couple games as he left the bubble to witness the birth of his child. Logan, what's your prediction for this series? Uh, Nugget sweep. Uh, Mike Conley was the X factor for this team, in my opinion, this entire year. Uh, and he just, we never saw him uh, fully get back to what we saw in Memphis. And I think that's partly because of Donovan Mitchell and how often he needs to have the basketball. Missing Bogdanovich and missing Conley, though, is going to kill the Jazz in the series. Yeah. The Denver Nuggets showed in the bubble. Now, I know their record does not show it, but we saw a great performances from Michael Porter Jr., from Nikola Jokic in the pick and pop. I, they showed too many flashes to not win this series. The Jazz are obviously not at full strength. I don't think this is going to be a very competitive series. If Michael Porter Jr. turns it on and lights him up, if Jamal Murray turns it on, if any – the Nuggets are so deep. Any of these guys can turn it on and have a big game, and the Jazz just don't have the roster to play with these guys in my opinion. They just don't have – the people out there, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are going to struggle to keep up with the Nuggets. This is interesting because I thought I was going to come on here and I was going to have a strong take about how this series was not going to be competitive at all. And you one up me because I have the Nuggets in five and I don't think it's going to be a particularly close five. Like, for example, I think Lakers Blazers might be. The Nuggets swept this season series 3 nothing. They were all competitive games, but the Jazz didn't get a win out of it. And the Jazz, to me, were the least impressive of any of the Western Conference playoff teams in the bubble. And part of Mm -hmm. that is not their fault. They lost Bojan Bogdanovic, who was essential to them offensively because they have never had firepower there like they did this season. They used to be so reliant on being the best defensive team in the league, and now they don't have that anymore. And now they also lost a 20-point-per-game score. Out of 22 bubble teams, they were 15th in in both offensive and defensive rating. That is just not good enough. Their defense has slipped. And Conley, although he has not been great at all this year, he's been highly inconsistent. He's still the kind of guy who can have a big game. Now you don't even have him. The reason that I can't predict the sweep from the Nuggets is they're just a bit too unreliable for me. There will probably be a game at some point where Jokic falls out of it just because he, and it doesn't happen nearly as much in the playoffs. He was incredible in the playoffs last year, but sometimes he struggles with motivation. Jamal Murray is just hot and cold. He's probably going to have an off night. But at the end of the day, this is just a better team. They're getting Gary Harrison, Will Barton back, who they didn't have in the bubble. Torrey Craig will make life very hard on Donovan Mitchell, and he has in their head-to-head matchups this season. Mitchell has been brutal against the Nuggets, averaging 19 a game on 30% from the field and 22.6% from three, which includes the massive 35-point game he just had against them in sending that game to double overtime when he had actually been terrible in that game until the last couple minutes of regulation too, when he started hitting some big-time shots, he was still super inefficient. And in their first two games combined, he scored 22 points. So, you know, the Nuggets don't just have the best player in this series by far in Nikola Jokic. They also have the better supporting cast. I think that Rudy Gobert is incredibly impactful as he is defensively. We've seen really cannot stop Nikola Jokic from getting where he wants to on the basketball court, which doesn't even factor in his passing or the fact that Jamal Murray is so shifty in the pick and roll with him and just navigates that mid-range in a way that is really difficult for Gobert to cover. So not only are the Jazz outmatched talent-wise without their second-best offensive player in Bojan Bogdanovic, and for a couple games, probably their third offensive player in Mike Conley. Maybe Joe Ingles is better than this version of Mike Conley, but Conley certainly has the higher upside. It's also a bad matchup for them. So I don't think that this is competitive. I'm taking the Nuggets in five. Let's move on over to the East, where speaking of not competitive, I don't think we need to waste too much breath on this one. First-seeded Bucks versus eight-seeded Magic. What is your prediction, Logan? 
I'm actually going to bite off a little bit what you said of the Nuggets. Uh, I'm going to take the Bucks in five just because I don't think the Bucks are a reliable team enough to sweep the Magic. I think the Magic are a little – the Magic aren't stout defensively, but I think they'll get a game. Uh, this Giannis guy, he's got Bruno Caboclo-type length. Uh, that's really going to be <laughs> a, a big factor against the Magic. Um, no, this series isn't going to be competitive at all. The Magic – they're playing at home, though. You know, I think that's a big deal. The Magic may that's take a game because they're at home. This, uh, they're going to mop the floor with Orlando. Yeah, I think this is a sweep. Um, I'm pretty confident in taking the Bucks in four. They went 4-0 and against the Magic in the regular season, beat them by an average of 17 points per game. And the Magic were a huge disappointment for me this season. I was kind of excited about them preseason, if you remember, Logan. I thought, you know, I predicted them to be – the seven seed, I think, and I was talking about how I was thinking of going higher, and they just put together an abysmal offensive showing for an entire season. They have the lowest offensive rating of any team that was invited to the bubble. That's 22 teams in the league. They were the lowest of that entire bunch, and they're up against a really, truly great defense and an unstoppable force. They're also without Jonathan Isaac, who was looked looked great in the bubble and actually could have added a little bit of injury to the season, and then, of course, he towards ACL, which is just devastating for his young career and for the Magic as a whole because he's probably their most promising young piece. So I just don't think this is going to be a good series. I don't think it's going to be an entertaining series. And while I have my trepidation about the Bucks in the playoffs as well, I don't think the Magic are the kind of team that will expose it for even a second because they're just not very good. Let's move on to whoever they will face in the second round. Is it going to be the fourth-seeded Pacers or the fifth-seeded Heat? Logan, what's your prediction? Um, I'm going to take the Heat in five. Uh, Sabonis being out for the Pacers really impacts this. I just I, this is going to be a really strange series, I think, Carson, because one of these guys on either the Pacers or the Heat, whoever wins the series, is going to have to step up and close games. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is not a guy I want to go to in the cr- in crunch time because he's been horrendous at, from deep. Who do you think – now, I want to hear your take, obviously. Mm-hmm. Who is closing games for the Pacers? Who is closing games for the Heat? I think we're getting the TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler showdown. I actually still like Jimmy as a closer, and yes, it's very weird that he – not only has he not made threes this year, he hasn't even attempted them for the most part, but generally you're not getting open threes in crunch time. You're getting those weird – ugly mid-range looks or you're getting downhill and you're drawing fouls and Jimmy Butler does do that exceptionally well so I have faith in him and then you know TJ Warren is a really high level bucket getter on the other end and I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot but he generally needs a pick and roll partner to create space for him or he's operating off the ball which is what he did more uh, in his role in Milwaukee and hitting open jump shots there whereas TJ can just create it for himself I'm going to take the heat in five two and I could see this going six but The reason for that is I still really like the Pacers supporting cast. They have a great team defense. They were the number six defense in basketball this year, which I think is underrated about them. They played really hard in the bubble, racked up some wins, went six and two. I love the Holiday Brothers and TJ McConnell and Doug McDermott. But at the end of the day, they're missing their best player. And it's pretty much that simple. They're missing a vital offensive player in DeMontis Sabonis who made their offense go out of the pick and roll so much this year. And Despite TJ Warren's heroics, their offense has still sputtered. They were 16th of 22 teams in the bubble in offensive rating, and it was their defense that was key to them winning those games because they were just giving so much effort there. They really wanted to win. Oladipo obviously is far from himself. They're almost three points Mm -hmm. per 100 worse with him on the floor, and I just don't see that turning around anytime soon. I don't think we're going to get all-star level Victor Oladipo in the bubble. But the reason I could see it going six is I'm just not all that in on the heat And I think that there's good cause for that. The first half of the season, they started out 27 and 10. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. In the second half of the season, they were 17 and 19, sub 500 for half of the season. They, to me, were just a team that was kind of overperforming by record, winning a lot of close games. They're not top 10 on either side of the ball as far as defensive and offensive rating. If you look at their best player, Jimmy Butler, yes, he's really good, but he's not the kind of guy who can single-handedly win you games for the most part. So I like the Heat, um, but I do think that they are coasting a bit on their strong start to the season, and they have really come down to earth in a big way. And that shows by the fact that they're not even the four seed in this series. And, of course, it's meaningless, but they did 
they did lose their spot there, which seemed like it was pretty solid for a while. So all in all, I don't think this is a great series just because the bonus is missing. If the bonus were healthy, I think this could be an awesome seven game battle between two pretty darn good teams at the end of the day. Let's move on. I think the heat are Go ahead. I think the Heat are kind of suspect. I think you're hitting on some points. Like you said, if Sabonis was here, I think I would fully lean in way of the Pacers. But mm -hmm. T.J. Warren is such a – I don't know. He's, he's just got that switch. If T.J. Warren could somehow turn it on for a few games, I could see the Pacers taking this in seven maybe. I mean, it, it's a tough swing because I it's think hard. the Heat are just yeah. a better basketball team with Sabonis out. But if T.J. Warren could somehow turn it on, this could be, become an interesting series. It's hard for me to imagine the Pacers actually getting out of here with a win without Sabonis just because, you know, I mean, that would be – if Oladipo could somehow flip a switch, maybe, but I just don't see that happening. The Heat are still a good team. You know, they've had their flaws for a good part of the season, and that's why I don't believe in them as a contender. But at the end of the day, Jimmy and Bam, that's a hell of a duo at the top, and you have a great supporting cast, guys like Kendrick Nunn and Hero – and um, you go deeper into the bench unit, Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic, who's been fantastic for them. Andre Godala, eh, gave up too much for him, but what are you going to do? It's a good team, and the Pacers at the end of the day just aren't themselves, which is unfortunate that this is now the second straight year that they've had to make a playoff run without their best player. That's really unfortunate, and hopefully we get to see the full-strength Pacers next year, maybe with Oladipo back resembling himself, maybe not. Who knows? Let's move on to what I imagine will be another no-brainer, the second-seeded Raptors versus the seventh-seeded Nets. Logan, what is your prediction there? Jeremiah Martin and Chris Chioza tear it <laughs> up and proceed to lose four straight games to the Raptors. Uh, the Raptors are great defensively. They're uh, I'm going to hype up the Raptors as we move on, but uh, mm -hmm. this is not going to be a competitive series. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raptors in 4-2, in, in four as well. Um, congratulations to the Nets on playing hard, on racking up some wins in the bubble. That is commendable. But the Raptors' defense is suffocating. Uh, and the Nets are just completely outmatched talent-wise here. And I don't think this is going to be close. So let's move on then to what I think a lot of people preseason might have expected to be maybe an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, certainly in the second round at least. We have the third-seeded Celtics versus the sixth-seeded 76ers. Logan, what's your pick here? I hate talking about the 76ers, like yeah, with a passion. It sucks. it sucks. They are so inconsistent. I don't know what to make of them. I'm going to take this. Uh, I'm going to take the Celtics in seven because I think that the Sixers are good enough to push this, but the Sixers are so inconsistent. This could be Celtics in five, Celtics in four. Mm -hmm. I think the Celtics went out because they have shot making on the outside where the Sixers don't. They're, they're just going to be better at closing gaps because of their shooting ability and that's been the Sixers' issue all season long. I like Philadelphia talent-wise enough, so this series pushes seven, but the Celtics' shot-making is going to be the difference-maker in this series. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done betting on the Sixers to do anything more than what they have shown me they're capable of, which for most of the season has just been mediocre basketball. I'm taking the Celtics in five. Now, the Sixers won three of their four regular season matchups, but... They don't have Ben Simmons, who was their most consistent star this year, their most consistently motivated player when Embiid was willing to just drift in and out whenever he wanted and openly talked about that. They were 2-3 and three without Simmons in the bubble, and maybe some optimistic chap out there is thinking, oh, but doesn't this fix some of their spacing issues? Doesn't this open things up? No, because he still can't play Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid together. That's still three clunky dudes who don't want to stand out on the three-point line who have to play together. And lineups with those three still have what would be the worst offensive rating in basketball. I have questions about how Embiid performs in the playoffs because he's weirdly sucked thus far in his career, averaging under 21 a game on 43% from the field, 29% from three. He should be on a different level of stardom to where he's not failing to show up in these spots. This is a man who averaged 27 and 13 last year, then averaged 20 a game in the playoffs inefficiently. And the Celtics are just better. They're better. They're more reliable. They're healthier. They were a top five team on both ends of the ball with the number four offensive rating in the NBA and the number four defensive rating. You have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown surging at the right time. And I just am not going to bet on the admittedly talented, although certainly less talented Sixers without Ben Simmons out there, suddenly playing their best basketball. I'm just not going to do it. I would rather. You sure you be, don't want to take them to the finals? 
I'm not going to take him to the finals, Logan. <laughs> and believe you me, there was a time. There was a time before the season when that was my actual pick. And I regret it more than anything I've ever said in my life. Let's move on to the second round here, where we have some pretty intriguing matchups, starting with the top seed Lakers versus the fourth seeded Rockets for me, the fifth seeded Thunder for you. So, Logan, why don't you talk about how you think Lakers Thunder is going to go down, and then I'll talk about theoretical Lakers Rockets. Uh, if the Thunder do get out of the series, I think that, like I said, they match up defensively well with the Rockets, but defensively against the Lakers, this would not be a contest, in my opinion. Uh, Lakers in four. I think they sweep the Thunder in this hypothetical matchup. Uh, I mean, it's it's just simple. LeBron and AD will not be stopped by – Steven Adams will give them trouble, but they're just such a dominant duo. And I don't – how are the Rockets going to – are they going to stop or slow down the Lakers at all, Carson? Well, I'm glad you asked, Logan. I'm going to take the Lakers in six here. And I actually think that the Rockets are going to put up a solid fight here. Um, you have to assume that AD and LeBron are going to be in form in this series and that we're not going to see the AD and LeBron that we saw in the bubble, which was weird and alarming, and I'm going to pretend it didn't happen because I'm picking the Lakers to go all the way in this thing. We'll see how this matchup goes. I'm really interested because these two teams went one and one against each other in the regular season when they were at full strength. The Rockets won their only matchup when they were all in on the full small ball idea when they had gotten rid of their centers. But in that game, we saw... The Lakers sort of get tricked into a lot of bad shots. We had Kyle Kuzma posting up a lot. We had Robert Covington making some sneaky defensive plays, which he's always capable of. But it was just poor shot selection from the Lakers. They were taking – they were having players who just aren't good enough to be posting guys up, posting them up regularly, thinking that guys like Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker, just because they're a couple inches shorter, or even James Harden, would be easier to move. And we know it's not the case. Those are really strong guys who can defend out of the post, even though they're undersized. I just think we saw moments in, in that game, as you would logically expect, where LeBron is just unstoppable headed downhill, where they can just expose the lack of someone to contest any lobs that you throw to Anthony Davis. And I just think that the bad shots are going to stop. And the Rockets' entire defense is going to have to collapse just to try to stop LeBron and AD because they don't have that interior presence. And it's either going to create open shots for people around them or those two are going to dominate in the paint all day long. So... I do think the Rockets are good, uh, and obviously they'll get their points. But at the same time, you know, it's not that difficult for the Lakers to just not play AD alongside another center and play AD at the five, and he can match yeah. up with anyone. He can, he can guard P.J. Tucker, and he's as good as bet as anyone to be able to, you know, rotate back to the perimeter if he needs to come in and help for a second, and, they, and James Harden kicks out to P.J. Tucker in the corner, where obviously he's money from, and that's always terrifying to see him wide open there. But I just think AD, with his length, with his instincts, with his intelligence, is as good as bet as anyone to get out there and contest that shot and make them work. So I think it's a good series. I really think the Lakers are going to win that, though. Moving on, we both have Clippers Nuggets. What is your prediction for this series? I want to come on here and say that, you know, the Nuggets are going to make this interesting and take them to seven or win this series. I don't see it happening. Again, yeah. I just think the Clippers are better defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm taking the Clippers in six. Uh, the Nuggets, I just don't trust them. I, there's just not enough offensive firepower. or They're just outmatched. Uh, Jokic yeah. is not going to be able to carry them enough in this series. The Clippers are going to – I mean, I think that the – I think that this going six is – it's not a real six. It's a uh, – they dropped a couple games here and there. Mm-hmm. The Clippers are going to be playing with the Nuggets. We completely agree here, which is interesting. And the way you put it about the Nuggets just being outmatched, that was my exact thought in a way that even though I think the Nuggets are a better team than the Mavericks, I don't feel like the Mavs are that outmatched because they have the one thing that they excel at that they are even better at the lake, uh, that they are mm-hmm. even better than the Clippers at, and that is just purely scoring, scoring points. And the Nuggets are probably a better all-around team, but they don't have that one unstoppable factor. They don't have the Luka drive and kick to great shooters all day. So I thought about making this a five-game series. Um, but, you know, I do think that playoff Jokic is a real thing. He can really elevate his level, and he really impacts winning. He single-handedly did some incredible things last year in the playoffs, and the Clippers are very poorly equipped to guard him because, you know, Zubats is not going to mm-hmm. give him trouble, or then you have 6'7 Montrezl Harrell. That's not going to give him trouble either. 
And then I do want to give credit to Jamal Murray just because he is a big-time shot maker, even though he comes and goes. And the Nuggets also tend to play up to the best competition. They, um, the Clippers won their season series 2-1, to one, but they were down in the third game, which happened in the bubble after three quarters, and then Mike Malone did his classic sit starters for the entire fourth quarter. And the Nuggets just generally, they were 15-11 versus 500-plus teams pre-bubble when they were still trying. They were 5-3 and three versus the pretty much consensus top four teams in the NBA in the Lakers, Clippers, Raptors, and Bucks, and they beat every one of them. So I didn't want to disrespect Nuggets by making it a five-game prediction, but I agree. I think it's probably Clippers go up 3-1. They let a game five slip because they're not fully dedicated, and then they take game six rather comfortably. I don't think the Nuggets ever really inspire fear in the Clippers. They're just the more talented team. And as far as, you know, who's equipped to close games, they have two incredible perimeter shot makers. And the Nuggets are going to be relying on a lot of Jamal Murray who can make those shots, but also has days when he misses a lot. Let's move on to the East where we have Bucks Heat. What's your prediction there? No, I actually think the Heat are decently equipped to take a few games from the Bucks just because of the three-point shooting that they have on their roster. You know, guys like Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson. I mean, guys who can just make shots and close gaps. Mm-hmm. And the, it's not like the Bucks don't. They'll, I'm taking the Bucks in five just because, again, they have uh, a man with the size of Bruno Caboclo and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that's a valuable asset in basketball. Uh Giannis will run through them because I don't think the Heat can defend him. And if playoff Giannis is here, this won't be a contest. I think the Heat take a game because that's just how it's going to go. The Bucks are going to go to bed for one game and mm-hmm. the Heat will steal it. But it, this should not be competitive. I'm going to take the Bucks in 5-2. And this is interesting because the Heat had weird regular season success versus the Bucks. They beat them both times before the bubble. One time when Jimmy Butler wasn't even playing. And then in the bubble... They had a big lead at halftime without Jimmy Butler playing again, and then they blew that. So maybe I should have more faith in them, but I just don't because, again, they're a team that is trending down. They're sub-500 for the second half of the season, and Bam can make Giannis work. We saw that in one of their regular season meetings when he really gave him fits, and that's commendable. Jimmy Butler can make Middleton work, and you know that's good news. But I just think they're the worst team on both ends by a decent amount. Jimmy, to me, and I said this earlier, is not the kind of star who can really take over and just win games single-handedly, which is what you need to be able to compete against the kind of juggernaut that the Bucks are, or you just need a better all-around team than the Heat have. They're just outmatched, plain and simple. And I agree. I think it's going to go five. The other conference semifinal, to me, should be a little bit more interesting. We have Raptors-Celtics, or wait, uh, yeah, we both have Raptors-Celtics. What's your prediction, Logan? I think this is going to be the best series that we see out of the East. The Celtics and Raptors are so similar in mm-hmm. offensive play style uh, mm-hmm. just because of uh, – watching a Celtics and Raptors game, I never feel like either team, because of their roster and because of how they play ball, I feel like they are in every single game no matter the score. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm going to take the Raptors in seven because I think they are a better defensive team. I'm tired of seeing the Celtics, and I think we're going to see it again this year, hitting this wall because every year Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens trot out such a competitive young roster. Mm-hmm. And one of these years, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm sleeping on the Celtics. Maybe we can see them push through to the finals because they have, in my opinion, finals-level talent on this roster. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors and it's down to Nick Nurse and how smart he is defensively. I think Nick Nurse can come up with a game plan to win this series. Like I said, it's going to be hard fought Raptors in seven. I agree with what a lot of what you said. I'm going to take the Raptors in six, despite the fact that the Celtics won this season series three to one. And, you know, I agree when you talked about how similar these two teams are, I see the Raptors in a lot of way in a lot of ways as a slightly better version of the Celtics. They have that same arsenal of offensive weapons from the perimeter with Van Vliet and Siakam and Lowry and Norman Powell and OG, whoever it is on that given day versus, you know, Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They're two teams that are uniquely equipped in just how many guys they have who can go out there and get a bucket from the perimeter. They can both shoot the hell out of the ball. They're both really smart, well-coached teams who are great on defense but the Raptors are just better at most of those things. They're more stifling on defense. They can kick it up to a gear that the Celtics just 
can't, like we saw from them in the bubble when they were the top-rated defense by far. They're more experienced, obviously. Most of these guys won a championship last year. They're deeper. They go eight deep with really good guys. They're an elite shooting team to a degree that the Celtics aren't. They were making the third most threes in basketball at the fifth best percentage throughout the regular season. So this is going to be a really high-level series with two great team-oriented squads who uh, the top player on their team is relatively unproven as far as carrying a team deep in the playoffs. You have Jason Tatum versus either Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry. Take your pick there as far as who their best player is. Um, I just think the Raptors are better at the end of the day, but I do think it's going to be a great series. Let's move into the conference finals where we have the battle for LA Lakers versus Clippers. To me, it's going to be one of the most anticipated conference finals ever. What's your pick, Logan? You said it perfect. They've been hyping this up before the season started. We were all expecting the battle for LA Lakers Clippers. The Clippers roster on paper, in my opinion, is better. Mm-hmm. But the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And throughout mm-hmm. NBA history, these guys, the Lakers have two of the top five players in basketball. And this may, and this may be a bad, uh, this may be bad analysis to you, Carson. The Clippers are a bad franchise, and I am not going to put my stock in the Clippers. I think the Lakers have their faults. Don't get me wrong. They have guards who cannot shoot the basketball, and Ron. I don't like Rondo minutes because he's improved. Yeah. He's still not a dominant shooter. And the Lakers' third best player is Kyle Kuzma. That is a major issue. Mm-hmm. There's concerns with the bench, but if you're going to give me LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a seven-game series, I'm sorry. I'm going to stick with them. I'm going Lakers in seven. I'm going to go Lakers in seven, too, for a very similar reason. I'm not going to throw the bad organization factor into it just because I think when you have – Jerry West, Steve Ballmer, Doc Rivers running things. It's a little bit different from the Donald Sterling, Elgin Baylor days. But, I mean, what it comes down to and why I think this series is going to be incredibly close is are the Clippers role players good enough to outweigh the Lakers' star power at the top? And then what does Paul George look like? Because Paul George, for so much of the season, was a 21-point-per-game guy. And we can talk about the the star duos that these two teams have, but there is a different level between LeBron and AD and Kawhi and Paul George who coasted for much of this season and did not look like his assertive dominant self. If Paul George is able to be a 25 point per game scorer, it becomes tougher to pick the Lakers. It really does because the Clippers just flat out have the better roster, but there is no counter for LeBron and AD. There is nothing that can stop that. And that has been my philosophy ever since I flipped from Clippers preseason to Lakers relatively early on in the season or maybe midway through is that these is exactly what you said two top five players in the league those teams just win championships for the most part and Paul George is not a top five player in basketball maybe that's overly simplistic to some people but you can look through I've made the Kobe Shaq analogy plenty of times look at who they had around them and they still three-peated and you know I'm not comparing Anthony Davis to Shaq but he's pretty damn good and LeBron is still the best player in the world so I think this is going to be the best series of the year. I think this is going to be the, one of the best series of our lifetimes. I would not be shocked if it went Clippers whatsoever, but I'm going to stick with my gut and put my faith in the fact that, I mean, it's so interesting because when you talk about two players with just unstoppable wills to win, Kawhi and LeBron are at the top of that list. The kind of yeah. guys who will just will the ball into the bucket and completely take over late. They've both done it at such a high level. We've seen it from them in the biggest spots. In final series, we've seen it from both of them. I'm just going to bet on LeBron at the end of the day and his running mate, who is just better than Paul George, hands down. And, you know, the Lakers, it's not the prettiest roster, but they have motivated those role players all year long. And, yes, it's weird that Kyle Kuzma or Danny Green is your third best player and that you depend on Kyle Kuzma and Deion Waiters so so heavily for buckets. But that's the situation they're in, and when they have those two guys at the top, I'm kind of okay with it. Moving on to the East, we have Bucks Raptors. What's your pick there? This is going to be such a fun series to watch. I am going to stick with, I believe, what did we say in February? I'm going to go a long time ago. We said Raptors Lakers, and I'm sticking to it because Carson, you convinced me over in the bubble. I don't think I can't trust the Bucks to close games out. I can't, and I can trust the Toronto Raptors. And an underrated factor, I know, like I know Raptors fans have, uh, like Peyton T. Gallagher. Peyton has mm-hmm. all the Raptors 
just can't do it this year. We don't have that star leading us. The Raptors did it last year with mm-hmm. much of the same roster. These guys have experience now. And they're just a smart basketball team. And I can't trust the Bucks and Giannis to win games late. I'm taking the Raptors in six. I think they make defensive switches to stop Giannis, to force the ball out. They make smart rotations. I think the Raptors win this series, and it's going to be a good series. And I, I see a world where Giannis gets to the finals, but I think the Raptors are a better team than the Bucks. You mentioned Peyton T. Gallagher, and he was a critic of ours for how early we had faith in the Raptors as a contender. And now he has told me that he thinks that they may win the title. So we were early on this, Logan. And we, I think we had all the right ideas. To me, this is not just that the Raptors are a great team. This is a serious matchup problem for the Bucs. So I'm going to take the Raptors in 6-2. I think that when you just compare these teams side by side, you have with the Raptors, a genius coach, a great shooting team, and great defensive personnel. Personnel. Every single player that starts for the Raptors is extremely either intelligent or physically gifted as far as defense goes. You have one of the smartest defensive players in the league in Kyle Lowry and Marcus Saul. You have just one of the feistiest defenders in the world out there in Fred Van Vliet. You have such an incredibly versatile wing defender in Oji Ananobi. And I know that you're anti-Siakam on that end, but the man is long as hell and he's certainly not going to cause problems when they have those stout defensive players around him. And then on the flip side of that, you have a rigid coach in Mike Budenholzer who it's a little D'Antoni-ish. He has assembled this scheme that is highly effective during the regular season, but he doesn't know how to deviate from them from it. And that is what killed the Bucks last year is, you know, the Raptors were incredibly adaptive and the Bucks kept trying to do the same thing and it just didn't work. They allow the most made threes in the league deliberately, of course, by playing that drop coverage. Um, but the Raptors are maybe the best three-point shooting team in basketball. And that's going to be a problem if you're just, you know, allowing them those open looks and they're knocking them down all day. And then, of course, the final factor is Giannis still struggles to close. And there is still that indecision with this team as far as who is the guy who takes that last shot. And if it becomes Chris Middleton, maybe they trend in the right direction, but they haven't shown that confidence in him and saying that he is the guy every time. Sometimes the ball just kind of ends up in someone's hand. And that's not a great sign to me. The Bucs are a great team. They're a great regular season team. They're a great defensive team. They have the deserving back-to-back MVP. But I'm going to bet on what is built to me like a postseason basketball team where they have so many quality guys. There is no weakness to expose on this team. There is no Eric Bledsoe who you can leave open and may just shoot you out of a game. There is no Giannis who you can force into some tough decisions late if he has the ball in his hands by just taking away transition opportunities, building a wall around him, building a wall in front of him, I should say. It's just one team is built better for success, and that to me has stood out for almost this entire season, and that's why I've the Bucks have never for a second been my finals pick, even with the incredible historic things they did in the regular season, and we'll see how it pans out. So, Logan, now the Holy Grail, the NBA Finals. We both have Lakers-Raptors. I imagine we are in the minority with that. I'm sure a bunch of people have Clippers Bucks or um, Lakers Bucks, but what is your pick here? Uh, I think you've hyped up the Raptors well, and the way I look at the Raptors roster up and down, you have guys who can either get bucks or make stops. Norman I'm, Powell, I'm, Terrence Davis. I'm fascinated. I hope you go this bold, Logan, but continue. They have Fred Van Vliet, who Carson, call me crazy, is going to win finals MVP, and they are going to defeat the <laughs> Lakers in seven. I think the Raptors have the defensive assets and are smart enough to make switches on LeBron and AD. Serge Ibaka, Marcus All, two of the smartest defenders in the post in basketball. Pascal Siakam is athletic enough and physically gifted enough to give LeBron trouble. OG Ananobi is another tremendous wing defender. Chris Boucher is a guy who can make stops on the inside and get buckets on the inside. The Raptors simply have more depth. They have more guys who can make shots, in my opinion. In Like I said, Matt Thomas even, Norm Powell. Ter- we founded the Terrence Davis fan club. We did, some time the, ago. 
the Raptors are a deep team. They remind me of the old Spurs teams that we saw. Obviously not as star-studded, but this team is going to give the Lakers trouble, and LeBron and AD are hard to bet against. I'm doing it, Raptors in seven. I'm going to take the Lakers in six. As good as the Raptors are, as great as they are defensively, even though they will be playing the ultimate team basketball and they have that championship pedigree, if I don't think the Lakers can take, if I don't think the Clippers can take the Lakers with their stars at the top, their depth as well, just their all-around firepower, I can't bet on anyone else to do it because I really think that the Clippers are, to me, clearly the second best team and the best poise to take down the Lakers. However, I do think that this is going to be an interesting matchup because some of this is going to be a little bit out of LeBron and AD's hands as far as the Raptors just have so many good guys. It's not like the Lakers can dictate who gets open and it's not like the Lakers and it's not like LeBron and AD can dictate, you know, uh, who, who is just suffocating defensively on the Raptors. I just don't think it's enough to take down this top five duo. And again, if I'm going to bet on the Lakers to come out of the West, I'm going to bet on them to win it all. I do think it's going to be a great series if we get this. I think it will be one of the best stories ever that the Raptors make a finals the year after losing you know, this player who is in a transcendent form, averaging 30 a game, having that moment like he did against the Sixers. Kawhi was on another level last year. And if they could come back and make the finals at the very least, if they could win a title, I don't know. I think that would be the greatest NBA story ever. What do you think? I think it would be too, and – I didn't even mention the X factor for the Raptors, Carson. What is it? Do you know? Do you know who's on this team? Um, Patrick Hollis Jefferson, Patrick McCall. Yeah. Wow. Great point. Of course, he Patrick wins every McCall year. McCall has never not been a champion. He literally cannot lose. Now I know he's not in the bubble because he had a, he injured his left knee. That being said, Patrick McCall does not lose. Yeah. The Raptors, I think story-wise, I think you sold it pretty well. This will be one of the craziest stories ever if it comes true. But the Raptors are equipped to do this. They have the firepower. They have the experience. I'm going to be happy just if we get Raptors-Lakers just because Nerd Sesh will uh, put that everywhere. Yeah. Uh, we will, I'm sure, we're going to put that on our Twitter, our Instagram, or MySpace, we're gonna, Facebook. We're going to pull up the clip from when we first said it way back when before there was this COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do agree that it's an intriguing matchup and that the Raptors are pretty well equipped to handle LeBron and AD defensively. Um, but... I don't know. It's kind of scaring me a little bit now that I'm really thinking about it, but I'm not going to bet against LeBron and AD. I just think that they're, they can will their team to wins in a way that no one else can in the league. But the better all-around team, unequivocally, the Raptors. So that's going to do it for us here today. I cannot believe we made it here, Logan, to where we have playoff basketball starting tomorrow with Nuggets Jazz. I feel so lucky to be able to sit here watching it and discussing it. So I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.